Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Now, in throughout the course of human history, there is unfortunately this strategy whenever one people group would want to seek to conquer another people group or one nation would want to conquer another nation. And that strategy is divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. For those of us that are from African descent, particularly in this country, keeping again with our theme uh, this month, uh, affirming and celebrating black history in this country, there are many of us that are aware of how that works in the African-American community, right? There's there's been a history of kind of, you know, families that have been broken apart. There's been the history of, you know, uh, we, we would sometimes say in our community, the house slave versus the field slave, right? Those that are from the Caribbean versus those that are from here in the U.S. Are you hearing me? But that's not just unique to people from African descent. Because a lot of the same type of divisions also arise people that may live in the north versus in the south. People that are in South America versus Central America or a Caribbean uh, Latinx community versus somewhere else. Or any other part of the world has experienced these type of divides, which is completely outside of the vision God has for humanity. It's completely outside of what he intended for us to reflect his image as one humanity, one human family. And this type of division is the very same type of division that the enemy behind all enemies, the oppressor behind all oppressors, seeks to accomplish in the church. It's this reality that Paul is speaking into, if you'll come with me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a church that, that Paul planted in Greece, in Corinth. I had the privilege in 2013 to actually go there. It is beautiful. It's someplace I would love to go in vacation. But it's also a place where when Paul was writing to the church there in Corinth, it was a church with a whole lot of drama, a whole lot of issues. And Paul receives word that there's a lot of things going on in this church that you may have not been fully privy to before, Paul. And Paul now is writing this letter from Ephesus. He's left. Other leadership has come in. And he's now writing to address some of the issues that are arising there in Corinth. And as he's writing this letter, these are people he knows. These are people he loves and prays for. And as he's writing this letter to this church, he says to them there in chapter 3, he says, I would like to give you more solid food, but you're not ready for that. As a matter of fact, I've had to give you milk. Because you're not ready for solid food. He says, I've had to give you milk like, like, a, like an infant, like a baby. And by now, he's suggesting, you should be ready for some more solid food, but I can't give that to you now. 
And the question then becomes, well, then why? Some of us, by the way, have a lot of ideas about what solid food is versus milk when it comes to the teaching of the Word of God, right? When it comes to the Christian experience. But wouldn't it be interesting to know what Paul actually is saying that is? And as you read the story there in chapter 3 and you see the condition of the church in Corinth, then it really should beg the question to us as individual followers of Jesus and also more specifically collectively as the body of Christ. How do we know we're growing spiritually? How do we know we're maturing collectively? Because one of the temptations for us, particularly in America and in the West, is to think very individualistically, right? A personal relationship with Jesus. How am I doing? I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm just going to focus on Jesus and forget about everybody else. But when Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul, the, the, the vision there is more collective, How are we doing as a community? How are we doing as a family? And we every now and then need to assess. We need to check in and go, am I growing? Am I maturing? And what are some indications that I am growing spiritually, that I'm maturing spiritually? And I believe that we can find that answer here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I hope you're there. We're going to start in verse number 3 because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to help us identify some ways that we can know if we're maturing spiritually. Come with me. First Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3. Paul says, For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, And another, I am of Apollos. Are you not mere men, meaning mere human beings? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. There's one particular part of that I want to draw your attention to. He says, are you acting like just mere human beings, mere men. Now, somebody might be reading that and going, well, isn't that what we are? Aren't we human beings? Well, yes and no. You are a human being. Amen? I mean, I hope so. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. In Christ, you're a new humanity. You went from Adam 1.0 a faulty version, to Adam 2.0 in Christ, right? You received an upgrade. You have the, the, you have the life of the divine residing in you through the Holy Spirit. And so that means that you, as you grow, are not merely to just settle for, hey, I'm, just, I'm just a human being, and this is how we roll, Right? That's why he says fleshly, or in your version it might say carnally, right? It just means you're acting like someone who doesn't know Jesus and has the Holy Spirit residing in them. That's what he's saying. He says because when there's division, when there's strife, when these type of attitudes and behaviors exist among you, that's not characteristic of someone that's in Christ. He says two things that he kind of links together. He says, you're acting like mere men. That's someone that's an unbeliever that does not have the Spirit of God. Then he says, but it's also like you're an infant in Christ. When someone goes from death to life and they receive Jesus, yes, they've received the Holy Spirit. Yes, they have the assurance of their salvation, but they're still spiritually immature. 
And I, it's good to pause here and say we should not expect people to be mature spiritually when they just give their life to Jesus. Right? You don't expect a little baby to start running a 5K. No, you expect them to trip and you expect them to, you know, dribble and all that kind of stuff, right? Because they're a babe. And Paul's saying, but from the time I came and planted this church to now, there should have been some growth. We should have progressed beyond baby stuff. You should be maturing. And so here's one way that Paul says we can know whether a church is maturing spiritually or not. And that is when they reject division based on preferences of leadership personality. When they reject division based on preferences of leadership personality. You know what that looks like? It's like when somebody comes to a pastor or a preacher or another member and they say, who's preaching today? Who's preaching this Sabbath? Or they actually ask that pastor or one of the pastors, who's preaching this Sabbath? Paul says, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Aren't they just servants of God who delivered the mail? Through whom you believed? We're not Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you actually read back in chapter 1, Paul will actually say, wait a minute, you guys must have us confused with the one who actually saved your souls. I mean, we worked for him. We delivered the good news to you. You believed. But don't confuse us. Don't put us on the same level as Jesus. We're under shepherds. He's the good shepherd. And so when you begin to develop this um, attitude of, well, I am of this preacher and this ministry, and no, 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 I am of this pastor, and I love this teaching, and I, I, I prefer this person's whatever in their spiritual leadership versus that person, Paul says, wait a minute, you're acting like mere men. You're acting like you just received Jesus Christ. You're acting like you, like you haven't been in the church for a while. Like you just came in. You know, sometimes we have definitions for worldliness when it comes to the church. Yeah? Well, we think worldliness is. But you know what Paul is actually saying here? This is a worldly attitude. You know what worldliness is? When we bring that political, divisive spirit into the body of Christ. That's worldliness. That's acting like mere men that don't know Jesus. Ah, but when you, be, when you reject that type of division, any kind of division, but particularly that kind of division, then, then you're now experiencing spiritual maturity. You know you're growing in Christ, not just individually, but collectively. Because you know, though he has servants that present him and, and work for him, as we all are called to do, you know that the actual hero here is Jesus. So what can we do? What we can do? We can focus on the primary leadership of Jesus, though he has under-shepherds that represent him and serve him among the body. You can recognize that though we have appointed leaders, we're actually supposed to all keep our eyes centered on the central leader. That's the goal. You may come in and 
it may be easy to get caught up in personality. That person that brought you to Christ, that person that gave you the Bible study, it may be easy to have that affinity and that attachment to that person, of course. But the more you grow up into Jesus, the more he becomes the all-encompassing vision of your affection. And guess what happens? The closer we come to Jesus, the closer we all come to each other. There's one more indication of spiritual maturity. Come with me now. Verse number six. Paul says in verse number six, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the what? The growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters, listen, is anything. But God who causes the growth. Did you just hear what Paul just said? Paul says, man, we're like gardeners. We, came, we come in, we sow some seeds, we cultivate the land, we put down some fertilizer, we make sure that there's plenty of sunshine. In other words, we set the environment for growth, but we don't cause any growth. Like, we didn't do that. That was a miracle of God. God just said, hey, when you put these things together, it kind of creates the environment where people can really kind of focus on Jesus and stuff starts to happen. And so if we really want to understand what, what does it look like when a church is, is, is spiritually maturing? Well, Paul is saying here, it's when that church begins to depend on God for growth. It's so good to me, I'm going to say it again. A church is maturing spiritually when they are dependent on God. God for growth, not people, not merely the strategies and the processes and the marketing and the programs and the, all those are wonderful things and have their place. But at the end of the day, none of them are successful unless we're depending on God for growth. This is a God thing. Do you know how many times I stand up before you and I go, God, you have to do something today because I am exhausted or I didn't get enough time to really, as I wanted to really dig into, or I am just kind of just really on E because I've just been going and going and going and God shows up, does something, and then somebody comes to me and says, thank you, CJ. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? I mean, okay, <laughs> right? Have you ever sung a song, played, did something for the Lord? And you were like, when it was done and people were blessed, you were just like, thank you, I guess. Anybody experience that? Yeah, I experience that just about every week. Because it's God who gives the growth. It's, it's like Paul's saying here, it's like a gardener, right? They sow the seed, right? Yeah, they do all that stuff, right? They, they create the environment for growth, but then they go take a nap as Jesus will say in the New Testament in one of his parables. And as they're sleeping, growth takes place. The miracle takes place. The maturity takes place. It's supernatural. In your own life, it's supernatural. You read your Bible, right? But it wasn't the ink on paper that caused you to grow and become like Jesus. It's what it was conveying and the Holy Spirit illumined it in your mind and it took root in your heart. God is the one who causes growth in the body of Christ. 
Growth spiritually in our love, which is what spiritual growth is, which is what holiness, growth in holiness is. It's love. It's looking like Jesus in character, right? But it's not just that quality of growth in our lives. It's quality flowing out of that love in the multiplying of disciples. People are coming to know Jesus, not just through the preacher, through you. And it's bearing fruit, and more people are coming to know Jesus. That's supernatural. We can have strategies, and God gives us wisdom, but it's supernatural. Paul will liken it to a building. He says, you're God's building, and there's no other foundation that can be laid but that which has been laid, and that is Jesus Christ. There's a whole bunch of other things to to get our attention in the church, but at the end of the day, if it's not based on Jesus, it's futile. Jesus will say it's like sinking sand. There's only that which is rooted on the rock Jesus Christ is going to stand, and that's what he draws our attention to now in verse number 13. Each man's work, whether the leader, the spiritual leader, some appointed leader, a delegated leader, or a follower of Jesus in the body of Christ, right? The work. And what work is he talking about? Is he talking about something specific? Well, he's speaking holistically to the work. Ultimately, what is the church supposed to produce? Disciples. So the, the, whatever you're doing, ministry-wise, relationship building in the community, whatever, at the end of the day, it should produce people that follow Jesus, right? So, okay, he says in verse 13, he says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so through fire. Whoa. Did you just catch that? Did you, catch, did, did you see what he just said? Paul is, Paul is basically saying, you know, listen, at the end of the day, whether it's a spiritual leader or anybody in the body of Christ that's following Jesus and producing fruit in their life, at the end of the day, the, revolt, the, the results rather are going to show. They're going to be evident. By their fruit, you shall know them. And you know when the big test is? You know when? We're going to actually know whether this thing was really of God or not, whether it was about a human being or whether it was about Jesus. Well, it's, he, he's kind of suggesting two things in one. The fire you can look at as at the second coming. That's certainly there in the text. But also in the text, it's also communicating the fire of trials and persecution in life. In other words, when the reality of life hits, it'll be evident who really is rooted in Christ. It'll be evident who really is maturing in Christ. And ultimately, when Jesus tracks the sky and he returns, which is soon, the imagery here is actually, it's partly comical and it's partly sobering. Is it not? Because the Bible says when Jesus comes, that his glory will be like what? A consuming fire. Is it because, oh, Jesus is just so mean. He's just burning people up. Is that what that is? No, it's just like the sun. Is the sun mean? 
Is, is, is the, no. Is the sun life-giving? Do we need the sun on planet Earth? Yes, we do. But what happens if we move maybe a few more hundred yards closer to the sun? You'll burn. Is it because the sun was so mean that you burned? No. Sun is good. Jesus is good. And anything that is clinging on to sin or clinging on to selfishness when Jesus returns will be consumed. But, but that which has been resting in the grace of Christ, that, 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 that person that has been anchored and is maturing spiritually, that church community that has been resting all their hopes on Jesus, oh, they're not going to be consumed by that fire. You know why? Because they've had the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding in them the entire journey with Jesus. They're used to the fire. Oh, good God, have mercy. That's why when Jesus appears, you and I that are in Christ, and I'm praying that's everybody under the sound of my voice, will not be consumed, will be drawn. Because that fire, you know what's at the heart of that fire? Love. There's all that love and holiness are two sides of the same coin. And that pure, unadulterated love when it comes in the presence of that which is not of that type of love. It's consumed, yes. But those that have been receiving and growing, it's not an overnight thing, but growing in Jesus, will be drawn into the fire that they have had on the inside throughout their entire journey with Jesus. It'll be evident at that time. So Paul is saying here, our last point, and we're going to close. You'll know that a church is spiritually maturing when they endure through the fire. You see, when the pandemic hits, mission didn't stop. When life hit, you cried, didn't you? There's been pain, has there not? Some of us have lost loved ones, have we not? Some people have lost jobs. Life gets real and it gets messy. But when your heart is anchored in Jesus, you have something that, listen, the world is so desperately looking for right now. You have an anchor in, I'm telling you right now, especially through this pandemic, if I did not know Jesus, and I don't say this just because I have the pastor title, if I did not know Jesus, I would not have survived this pandemic. Real talk. And so I'm talking to somebody today who has not really given their life over to Jesus, do it. Really, it's beneficial. I would not have a right mind if I did not know Jesus. I would not be able to do this if I did not know Jesus. I do this because I've tasted and I've seen that he's good. I know a lot of people have put a lot of mess out there about him and misrepresent him. I'm sorry for that. As a pastor in the church, I'm sorry for how Jesus is represented. It really breaks my heart. But I try to be the difference. Because I know him, and I know he's not like what a lot of people are saying he's like. And when you really get to know him, oh, he anchors you. And you mature. Listen, family, we're about to enter into a season of transition. God is calling us to maturity. To spiritual maturity. Let Jesus be our central vision. Let him be who we are anchored in, not a personality. Even if you like them. I, you know, at the end of the day, I would love for everybody to like me, but I know not everybody does. And you know what? That's okay. Because at the end of the day, if I've shared and revealed Jesus in some way, I've been faithful. 
And one day I'm going to see whether that work remains. And it's not just for the past. That's for every follower of Jesus. You want what you do for Jesus to remain, to come to maturity. And so we'll know that we're maturing in Christ. One, when we reject this division that the world kind of is used to, right? We reject that in the body based on preferences of spiritual person, of uh, leadership personalities. We depend on God for growth and we endure through the fire. But family, that only happens when you come to the cross of Christ. And if you haven't done it yet, please do it now. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.